and really helping people to understand that if I'm an executive and I'm making decisions based on my understanding, I will most likely break that process or I will do something and make a decision that could detrimentally impact customer experience, employee experience, wait time, cycle time, some of those metrics that I've tasked you to go on and you know take care of. And it, again, it's not because they don't understand or anything else. They don't have visibility. And so getting down to that level, asking those questions, understanding that, you know, here are some opportunities. I like to say all processes are target-rich environments um, nice. because there are every, every process, um, no matter how hard we try to make it better, um, there are opportunities to improve it. Welcome back to Bots and Thoughts, the hyper-automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, a.k.a. Mr. Automation. Hello, hyper-automation pros, and welcome to another episode of Bots and Thoughts. This is a special guest interview episode featuring Dr. Christy Collins. Christy is one of the most decorated and experienced process improvement professionals I've had the pleasure of meeting in this space. This episode is packed with tons of been there, done that stories, risks, and guidance for those of you looking to approach your process improvement and automation journey or really ramp it up. We hope you enjoy the show. I want to start by saying thank you again for being on the show, Christy. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. We have known each other for the better part of the last year. Um, you're one of my favorite people in the process improvement space. One of the most accomplished and decorated folks I've had the chance to work with. But for those who haven't had the pleasure yet, Christy, who is Christy Collins? And how did you originally get into this process improvement, industrial engineering, business automation space? So um, I am Christy Collins. Uh, I do have a PhD in knowledge and business uh, management, and I'm kind of the consummate student. Um, I love school. I love learning new things. And that's kind of my goal each day is to learn something new. Process allows that um, a lot. And I have been doing process for all of my life. I was thinking about it in kind of preparation for this. And I think my grandmother would have been a good process engineer. <laughs> Um, she grew up in the twenties, but the things that I learned from her and the things that I was exposed to when I was around her, um, really led me to process. She was a big cook. Um, so all of the recipes and how she arranged her kitchen and all of those types of things, that was very much, um, all about her process. She also, uh, was a co-owner in a typesetting and print shop. Mm. And back then, um, when I was a kid, they would use these big CompuGraphic machines and change film strips when you wanted to change a font. Um, it was a linotype machine that they would use to print things. And seeing the evolution of all of that with technology and stuff, I think has also prepared me a lot to not only not be afraid of process or technology, um, the potential to automate things, um, but also to really see from a customer experience perspective what's important. So. Like I said, I've been doing process from the time I was about 10 years old without really knowing it. Um, I worked in a donut shop for her, 
how you stocked the counters, how you made change manually. We didn't have cash registers that told you how much to give back to a customer. Um, when I was in high school and college, I tutored a lot. So process there, helping the students that I was working with to make sure that they understood, you know, whether it was accounting or diagramming prepositional phrases, making sure that they understood and it was relevant for them. Um, I always go back to my football players that I used to tutor. First down, you did this. Second down, you did that. Um, and really helping them to understand in their terms mm -hmm. um, so that it wasn't Greek to them. Um, so that was always, um, you know, one of those pieces that I did, but I didn't do knowing that I was doing it from a process perspective. That was just kind of the way I was wired. Mm -hmm. um, I worked in retail for a long time through high school and college. I saw the same things there, how we place things on the floor in a clothing department. When you didn't place things by the escalator because of safety, somebody would grab it, stick it in their bag and steal it. Um, so you wanted to rotate things and, and make things visible in that way. So understanding things not only from a customer experience, but also from a safety perspective, those were things that were just ingrained in me as I grew up. So when I went to school, um, my degree is actually in elementary education. Hmm. And I think I probably use that more than I do anything else, um, just because it's very important to me to keep it simple, um, make sure that people understand at that very low level what you're talking about. Um, hmm. Don't go in with all these big acronyms and terms and things, but just keep it very simple. And I really like to start when I work on process, just say, you know, tell me a story. What does it look like? Um, and just putting them at ease and helping them to get to that point. So, um, you know, kind of think about that kindergarten classroom that you would go into sitting down on the carpet and just saying, well, how was your weekend? Um, that is what I try to do from a process perspective. I went on and got a, a bunch of additional advanced degrees and certifications, but I always fall back on that education because, Helping them to help themselves is really, really important. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of background on me. That's great. It it makes sense. Process is everywhere, whether it's working a, a donut shop, retail, cooking. Um, that makes total sense. And also the early childhood education can help. You don't want to make assumptions about um, even some of the you know most brilliant people that I'm sure you've worked with in mapping out their business processes as a department head, you don't want to make any assumptions that they know what BPMN is or APQC is, even though it may be completely natural and intuitive to folks like yourself who have been living, breathing, eating process improvement. Um, I really like that, keeping it simple. But tell me about the degrees and certifications you've picked up along the way. It, it's... Um, it's kind of a broad breadth, but they're all somewhat related to process improvement. What, um, yeah, tell, tell us so about So I have this. my MBA. Yeah, I have my MBA. Um, my PhD in knowledge and business management is all about where you find information as well as the seven different process uh, practices. So whether we look at PQM, um, whether you're looking at pure change management, there's a variety of different things there. I'm also CAP certified, which is Jack Welch's GE version of change management. Um, so I did that back when I was at Sprint Nextel. And um, 
I am also, I was first an ASQ black belt, and then I became a master black belt. So my focus is really helping to mentor yellow belts or people who are interested in becoming yellow and green belts. Um, I also work a lot with black belts and other master black belts, um, but really helping people to understand that process is not as complicated as they make it seem, um, but really just utilizing that. So those certifications, they look great on a resume, but they also gave me some tools, again, to help people to keep it simple. Um, those are things that I really wanted to use. Every time I go to one of those conferences, I learn some little nugget that I can take away um, and add to my toolbox. So um, I always have believed that education is something nobody can take away from you. Mm -hmm. So the more you get, um, the more you have. And uh, I just continue to try to, you know, take a new class or read a new article or whatever all the time to constantly be learning and, and getting up to speed on things. A couple things you said there gave me some, some questions I'd love to follow up with you on. One is tools. Um, you don't have to use any vendor names unless you'd like to, but, you know, the capabilities that these tools are providing and also conferences or communities that folks like us kind of find themselves in. What are some of your favorite tools that, you know, we've got process improvement professionals out there listening that if they aren't using, uh, they should consider checking out and then conferences. What are some of your favorite conferences, events, or communities that, that we can find other folks like us when within? Sure. So from a tools perspective, I'm a firm believer in use what you have. Um, keep it simple. You know, if it's, diagramming and using post-it notes to get started, mm -hmm. ask the questions, get the information. Don't wait two weeks until you have something installed. Um, but I also am a firm believer in good documentation. A lot of times the very first step in process and the scariest step for a lot of people is to get it visually represented. So to document, to just go in and have that baseline conversation with someone to get it down on a piece of paper, to get it down in the cloud, whatever the case is. And when I started working at Sprint Nextel, um, that was back in the 90s, we didn't have a lot of tools. Um, so I was actually using Excel as a drawing tool mm, <laughs> to capture things. That sounds very um, fun. Yeah, yeah. During that time, and it worked, it worked fine. But during that time, um, one of the things I realized was if I had that file saved on my desktop and it had all this great information in it, nobody could see that unless I printed it out. Nobody could get access to that. So I was always looking for a way to put it up on the wall. And in that era, we were not virtual. Um, so everybody would come into a conference room and look at things. And so we would print out these huge plotter maps of our processes and people could come in and write all over those maps and point at them and talk about them and that kind of thing. That worked great at that time. Um, one of the things I think I've seen the most challenge with, though, is, OK, I have people um, I'm based in Kansas City. I have people in Atlanta. I have people in Pittsburgh. I have people in San Francisco. How are they going to come into my conference room? And I really was looking for a way to share that. The cloud gave us that capability. And I was fortunate enough to work with a company. Um, they're no longer with us. Uh, Lombardi Software, they have been acquired by IBM several years ago. 
and I know your uh, CEO is originally from there. I've known Brian for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they developed a tool for us that um, is now called Blue Works Live. And I was kind of the guinea pig for that. Um, I had the Lombardi folks travel with me. And when we were going through the new employee onboarding processes, we actually um, did a whole bunch of roadshows and captures within Excel. And they built a product on the fly for us um, that has now become my favorite process improvement tool, um, being able to capture those things and have them shareable all the time. So within the cloud um, and being able to utilize that. And those things are really important to me. I want to be able to show um, the person I just talked to, what I've captured. I also want to be able to show, you know, management up and down the line who maybe can't come to my office. And this gives them the ability to collaborate and to be able to see. And it becomes a living, breathing document. That is one of the key pieces of process. The second that you write it down, it changes. So getting it so that it continues to evolve and can be updated, um, that is really, really important. As far as um, conferences and and different groups, uh, I do some stuff with ProSci. So from a change management perspective, I think one of the things that is always so important with process is that change management piece. Whether it is communication, whether it's the with them, the what's in it for me, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to get more buy-in or less buy-in depending upon how you approach that issue. And people just want to be communicated with. So really helping them to understand why we're making these changes and what is it going to do for them. Um, they a lot of times live, you know, too close, but they can't see the forest for the trees. Um, we really try hard um, within the process world when I work in it uh, to make sure that we're communicating all the time. It is not always about headcount reduction. Um, so when I go into a team, a lot of times in the past, they've seen process people as people who are coming in because you're going to have a layoff. That's not the case. In a lot of situations, we're just looking for cost savings. We're looking for efficiencies, ways to automate things. And I've been fortunate enough here recently, ASQ has had a couple of really good conferences and really good seminars. Um, Some of them are free. I am a member, so I get to attend some things that I wouldn't otherwise attend. um, And that always makes it nice. I also um, am part of several of their discussion boards. So being able to just kind of see what other people in different industries are doing um, I am a generalist when it comes from from a process and change management perspective. So I don't mm-hmm. um, just focus on one industry. I try to look at all industries. And I can honestly say, you mentioned APQC earlier. When you look at a process, inventory management is a great one to pick on. It doesn't matter if it is the Walmarts and the Dillards and Macy's of the world Um, If it's big box stores, if it's retail department stores, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Boeing and their jet engine parts, whoever it is, they all have that same issue with inventory management. They want to be able to see what they have. They want to know how much there is of it, where it's at. And if there's a recall on it, they want to know how to handle it. If there's a maintenance issue, whatever the case is. Um, From a retail perspective, you're going to see things that are coming back. People weren't happy with it. The colors were bad. You know, whatever the case was, it didn't sell well. Those are all things. If I strip out all the acronyms, um, it is about 85 to 90% the same, whether you're talking about 
a car part or whether you're talking about sweatshirts. <laughs> so Process it is really important not discriminate. for people. Exactly. It's really important for people to realize that a process is a process, period. So yeah, hopefully I answered some of your questions there. Absolutely. Not only am I a firm believer in process mapping and process discovery, um, we kind of have the philosophy of how can you improve a process if you don't understand what it looks like today? Um, but we also really lean heavily on BlueWorks Live. That is just the tool that we've found to be our best. Um, and they have free trials out there. Check them out. Um, and change management was a really interesting concept you brought up, Christy. We, you know, the worst thing that could happen to a process improvement team is that all you really do is map out a current state process. What value have you done with an organization by doing that? And I think a big key that might go overlooked in the automation community is change management as the bridge from your current state process to your future state process. They think that it's, you know, technology, software, a great services team. Uh, but how important is change management in bridging the gap from current state to future state? It is really, really important. And I, I sometimes think it's even more important than process. Mm. Um, because you need to understand what's going on in your organization. And change management allows you to kind of peel the onion. So there's a lot of different aspects of change management. Um, one of it is is kind of that elevator speech or that, you know, what what is this all about? Helping them to understand what you're trying to tackle. And that's at all levels of the organization. Whether you're dealing with an executive, uh, you know, a line manager, one of the doers of the work, whatever the case is. And also kind of evaluating where they're at from a change perspective. If they want you to come in and do a bunch of process work, but they're not willing to make any changes because they think their organization is already okay, then you need to know that from a change management perspective. Um, you have a lot of times within organizations, uh, people who are early adopters. So they handle change. They realize that's constant. Um, you know, no problem. They'll get on board right away. You have others who are submariners who will, you know, talk, give you lip service and everything. And then uh, there's a problem because they're going to go back and they're going to tell everybody, I didn't like that very well. Mm. Um, when I was working in one of my roles several years ago, um, and it was back before COVID when we had a, a cubicle environment, um, I had a vice president that I used to work with and he was busy all the time. Um, and his teams were right there on the floor where he was at and he was, his projects were never as successful as they could have been. And we really didn't know exactly what to do to help him because he just wouldn't give us any time. Um, and if you went to try to find time on his calendar, there was never any time on it. So I went and had a conversation with him one day and I said, um, I need five minutes of your time a week. And he said, I don't have five minutes. I said, well, now, okay, we're going to get personal here. Yeah. I said, you walk down the hall to go to the bathroom every day, right? And he said, yeah, that's a little too personal. And I said, no, here's my point. When you do that, you have to walk by your team. Whether you stop by to see them or not, you walk by them. He said, yeah. I said, so give me five minutes, one time a week. Instead of coming straight back to your desk, walk down that hallway 
go to that cube of that project manager or somebody on the project. Just ask them, how's it going? What's going on with the project? You know, you don't have to stay very long. Just ask them a couple questions about it. And he's like, what's that going to do? I said, just do it for me. Just, you know, I'm from Missouri. We're the show me state. Show me. Just do it. And so he's like, okay. So he walked down the hall, went to the bathroom, came back, went down the hall to uh, this cubicle environment, stopped and talked to the program manager. Just two or three questions. Um, but he was kind of intrigued with some of the stuff that she had to tell him. And she was just blown away that he was there. He went on back to his desk and all of a sudden, that whole team that sat around her, everybody came over. What was he asking about? What's going on? People who didn't even know anything about the project were coming over. What is happening? Um, and they were all able to hear some of these conversations. So all of a sudden, you get all this excitement and all this enthusiasm. The VPs in, interested in this project and look what's going on. And, you know, what do you need help with? These people that weren't involved in the project would go back and tell their management. So I'll, I'll call this guy, Tim. Um, when he got back to his office, he had a voicemail already from another executive from another department entirely, one of his peers, um, that wanted to know about this project because he had heard that, you know, through the grapevine that things were going on. And he called me and he said, Christy, I was just down the hall three minutes ago talking to one of my people like you asked, and I already have a message from a VP. So getting that enthusiasm and getting that excitement behind it um, is sometimes the thing that jumpstarts a program or a project. And it sounds so infantile or so minuscule when you think about it like that. But those are the things that you need. It's, it's that excitement level. It's somebody taking an interest because I think so many times we get so focused on the things that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, we forget about the people side of things. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it, it is just it's really important it's really key to do that pick up the phone and call somebody don't send them an email you know have some of that personalized contact sometimes show that you're excited or that you're taking an interest and that's really key so from a process perspective that's where change management can come in and really give it a kick and really help a lot of times also speaks to one of the main reasons I hear that these process improvement business automation projects fail is a lack of executive sponsorship and kind of gets into um, another huge concept that's been coming up over the last few weeks is process improvement is not a project. It is a lifestyle. And that mentality yes. shift needs to happen before success can be achieved. Are there any other ways or reasons that process improvement or business automation projects fail? So I think that um, I wouldn't say, I won't say fail, but I will sure. say that sometimes they're not as robust or the benefit of them is not as recognized as it should sure, be. Not as optimal. So when I go in and look, the industrial engineer yeah, you. When I go in and look at a project, um, I don't want to know just, you know, am I improving cycle time or wait time? I want to know, how's that going to affect people? You know, am I going to have better visibility? Mm. So I'm going to be able to manage my process better. What impact does it have to my internal employees? What impact does it have to customer experience? Mm. Um, and really helping to understand, okay, so we have a cycle time reduction. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. 
Well, it means we're going to save $3 million, but it also means that our clients are going to be able to do whatever they're asking us to do six days faster than what they used to be able to do. So making sure that you don't miss some of those benefits, because that really helps to justify and again, get that excitement yeah. behind those projects. Mm. It also helps people to better adopt things and feel more excited about those things. True. So that makes a, a program, a project, a, a way of life. <laughs> um, when we think about process that helps to make that thing, um, you know, become something you want to be involved in, something that you're interested in, something you want to ask questions about, and something that you feel ownership in a lot of times. And that is one of the other key issues I see with process a lot of times, not to their fault, but executives have a vision of what happens within their organization. Until you go and talk to the person that does that job on a day-to-day -day basis and understand process at that level, those are two entirely different things. So yeah. you have that 60,000 foot view and then you have that 1000 foot view where you're actually doing the work and it's the P and L versus the DIL, the, the profit yeah, and loss versus yeah. the day in the life. That's right. And really helping people to understand that if I'm an executive and I'm making decisions based on my understanding, I will most likely break that process or I will do something and make a decision that could detrimentally impact customer experience, employee experience, wait time, cycle time, some of those metrics that I've tasked you to go on and, you know, take care of. And it, again, it's not because they don't understand or anything else. They don't have visibility. And so getting down to that level, asking those questions, understanding that, you know, here are some opportunities. I like to say all processes are target rich environments um, nice. because there are every, every process, um, no matter how hard we try to make it better, um, there are opportunities to improve it. Maybe it's, well, I really want to see this metric. I don't have it. It's the best process we have, but I don't have visibility. <laughs> so, you know, giving them more visibility, um, giving them questions to look for, to ask um, as they're going through that. Those are all things that are really, really important. That's great. Yeah, a lot of themes in there to unpack. I, I'd like to make a little bit of a left-hand turn here, Christy, and ask kind of a bigger sure. picture question about the state of process improvement and business automation. Uh, how would you describe the current state of that union, if you will? And what macro drivers would you say are contributing to why things are the the way they are now. So I think process was in, you know, second gear going down the road. Everything was pretty normal um, back in 2019, 2020 hit. Um, we've, we'd been dealing with all the COVID stuff. People kind of started realizing, gosh, there's a lot of stuff that we could do differently, but it wasn't out of just want. It was out of need. Mm. Um, you know, you started seeing all of the curbside pickup places everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you started seeing grocery store deliveries. Um, I actually registered my son's car and got his tags all online, which I've always had to go and spend three or four hours standing at a license bureau to do that. <laughs> Being able to do some of those kinds of things, I was like, yes, you know, this is process improvement. 
and it's not impacting my customer experience. It's making me happier because I'm spending less time. There is still an option for me to go in person, but if I don't feel that I need to, and I don't need that involvement with a person, um, then I have that ability. I also started seeing a lot more from a chat perspective. So a lot of these companies mm. who have websites now have, you know, whether it is um, robotic, whether it is a live person that you can chat with 24-7, whatever the case is there, those became much more prominent. And we started seeing that from a customer experience perspective. So if we're going to be forced to go more online, we need to make sure we still have that touch point. The thing that I've seen that um, hasn't worked well is a lot of companies tried to go there too fast and they didn't think about mm. um, getting stuck in a phone system <laughs> when all you're trying to do is to leave a message or to get to a specific person. And it just keeps giving you commercials and it keeps telling you, if you want to go back to the previous menu and you just get stuck in this continuous loop, those are the kinds of things that, I wish companies would spend a little more time and experience it themselves. Um, if you had to go and live it um, and it doesn't feel great, then imagine what your customers feel, especially when they don't know as much as you know. So mm. really helping them um, to help themselves. I think that's just really important to get them to that point. Mm -hmm. COVID has um, you know, helped us in a lot of ways that I think people forget sometimes um, just to be able to automate some things, to be able to simplify some things. Um, and I am seeing those things continue even after communities have opened back up. Um, you know, you can still go in and do things. I'm a perfect example. Um, we live out in the country and my family all works in grocery store businesses, but I order my groceries and have them delivered to my home because it's easier for me. Mm -hmm. um, sure, there might be something I forget every once in a while that I have to run up and get. But it's 35, 40 minutes to the grocery store. So it makes it more convenient for me to just have things delivered. And that was something that I didn't think I would ever do. But it's accurate. It's timely. Um, and it sure saves me a lot of time. So yeah. those are the things that I think, um, you know, were put in place. And again, from a change management perspective, uh, not everybody is in tune with that. Not everybody's comfortable with that. Um, but you know, it was always really important to me to be able to tip whoever my server yes. was or whoever that delivery person was or whatever. They've built those things into the apps. Yeah. So somebody does my grocery shopping and brings it to my door. Guess what? I'm going to tip them and you can do all of that right there. So being able to think about some of those simple things from a business owner perspective, that's really important to kind of stay with the times and, and keep moving forward. So yeah. automation um, and process. There's a lot of opportunity in the future. Um, but I think, again, we have to keep it simple. We have to document the processes. Um, and not just getting process information, but get the editorial behind it. Mm -hmm. Get the story behind it. Um, really understanding, you know, if mm -hmm. you have a process that we always print these documents off and we send them to all of our clients via UPS. Okay. Why? Why do you do that? I'm not challenging you. I'm just asking why mm -hmm. somebody will say, well, because we've always done it that way, but is there any value in it other than it, it costs a lot of money to send it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, Probably there's no value. Best. There's no legal requirements. 
So my question would be, do we really need to do that? Is there a different way to deliver it? Could we send it to them, you know, via a DocuSign or some other type of tool like that? And um, in most cases, the question is asked and the comment comes back, well, yeah, we could probably do that. We've just always done it the other way. Right there is, you know, $300,000, $400,000 worth of savings um, to be able to look at something like that. So getting that editorial sometimes is helping you to identify some of those things that you didn't know you had pain points around, mm -hmm. um, but that are huge opportunities. The other thing, um, as we move more towards automation, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about pain points. And a pain point can be a variety of things. It could be what just happened to you a few minutes ago, and that's the thing that you remember the most. So Recency that's the thing bias. you talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could also be um, that thing that is... It, it consumes your life, but it doesn't consume anyone else's. <laughs> so um, you may have it happen 10 times a week and you're just really irritated with it. But it is not very impactful to anybody but you. There might be something out there that happens 10,000 times a week. Now, that's the thing that you want to go tackle. But you're not thinking about it because it's so common and it happens so often. It's just the way it is. Those are the things that we have to make sure that we focus on and look at data around. Um, so mm -hmm. you can't have a good process without good data. Um, and you can't have either of those without good change management and visibility. So it is just a vicious circle. Um, and all of those things have to happen. Yeah, they go so hand in hand. All those themes, the, the narrative and the editorial around how does it work today? You get so much information right. beyond just the step by step by step namely the pain points. Um, and that can turn into data for analysis to surface up all these opportunities for improvement. And then of course there's prioritizing the opportunities that get bubbled up and resources are finite. It'd be great to improve absolutely everything. The thing that happens 10,000 times and the thing that happens 10 times a week, but decisions need to be made and opportunities need to be prioritized. Um, yeah. And, and to do that all elegantly and, and simply inside the same collaborative platform is something that, you know, not a lot of, of companies have the ability to do and um, not trying to send a commercial about. Yeah. No, one of the other things that I think um, that I try to do, and I, I think it's kind of that, that feel good moment a lot of times, but I may have been tasked to go into process to look at, you know, go reduce cycle time by 25%. Okay. So that's going to be my focus, but there will also be things from that editorial that there'll be some low hanging fruit, some things that I can go after that are really kind of passionate points for the employees. So if it doesn't cost me a lot or it's not, you know, going to be harmful to the project, I try to find some of those nuggets, some of those things that are beneficial to those people who are doing those day-to-day -day activities. Because a lot of times, you know, yeah, cycle time was reduced, but the employee doesn't really notice any difference in their day-to-day -day work. They really need a way to, you know, have a checklist or a pop-up or something. And being able to give them that is really important to me. Mm -hmm. So not only going after the big stuff, but also being able to find some of those little things that impact your employee morale, impact right. your employees um, in their day-to-day -day activities. Those things are really important. Yeah. And 
it sometimes it's as important as giving them a raise. You know, it's one of those types of things that it feels good. And in this environment, I think that those things are always important. It is a raise in maybe not financially, but in terms of quality of life at work, certainly a raise giving them. Well, and just knowing you've been heard is really important too. Yeah. That intrinsic value really matters. Um, another left turn here, Christy, I'd love to ask you about your favorite use case or success or, or win in the process improvement space. Um, thinking across any of the companies you've worked for or consulted for, what is your, your favorite process improvement story? What were the circumstances leading up to it? What'd you find and what ended up happening? So I have worked remotely for almost 20 years. Um, and one of the projects that I was on back when I was at Sprint Nextel was working on um, an effort uh, called the 20th Century Workplace. We were looking for ways to better include and involve people who were on conference calls with us, couldn't be in the office with us. Hmm. And again, like I said, that was back in the 90s. It was very eye-opening. I had always thought about things like that. I'd always, you know, tried to involve people. But we broke it down and looked at concepts that were so simple. And now I laugh about them because it's like, well, duh. <laughs> we, would, we would put up a white chart on the board and capture notes and capture things. But the people on the phone couldn't see what we were capturing. This was of a time that you didn't capture notes on your screen. Yeah, conference. Um, yeah. We weren't, yeah, we weren't using um, video or anything. It was just a pure conference call. And how to include them. And somebody would say, well, that third post-it note up there, and the person on the phone would say, oh, yeah, I see it. The one that says whatever. <laughs> it wouldn't be anything like what it yeah, said. And they were trying to prove a point yeah. that you were not yeah. including them. Looking at that and then, you know, almost 25 years later, looking at how we function now, there's a lot of lessons learned and a lot of things that I experienced as we went through that project. Because the whole goal was, how do you get people more included in what you're doing? We've since seen, um, you know, all of the video conferencing, the Zooms, the, you know, WebExes, all of the things that have happened since that time. And then I think it was just on steroids here for the last few years with all of the things that have occurred um, across the world. The other piece was the the global aspects of that. So um, in a in a recent position that I had, I worked um, with global teams. So I did a lot of stuff with teams all over the world. Being able to adjust to the different time zones and realizing that you're not the only person in the world, um, whether you're working with process or whether you're working with, you know, change management or data or whatever, there are people everywhere. So different time zones, different languages, it's all still about a process and about data and um, really boiling it down and, again, keeping it simple. Um, so helping them to understand those types of things. Uh, I have a very dear friend that I, um, she worked in India and I used to see her on our same time chats all the time. 
I'd be up really late working on a project and she would come online. And I remember one time I said, hello, stranger. And she said, I am no stranger. I am Pushpa. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I know who you are. I, that's just something that we say here in the United States. Um, hello, stranger. And she said, oh, I need to learn this. So she called me. She wanted to understand more about um, some of the things that we say and what that means. And so I tried to explain to her that that's just a, a friendly way of greeting someone that you hadn't talked to in a while. And she's in one of our call centers. And so my relationship with her was more about getting information from her, building those relationships. And so we spent 30 minutes me explaining what hello stranger meant and about two weeks later, I get a note from her and she said, Christy, I have hello stranger, 12 of my friends, and we're all trying to learn these concepts. And the whole thing there was, you know, me building that relationship with her and getting more information from her. I wasn't trying to do it in a way to get anything I wasn't supposed to get. It was just building that with her and really helping to understand, you know, both the personal aspect and the professional aspect. I think sometimes yeah. we all take our lives too seriously yeah. and you work in an environment. Um, yes, you need to be professional, but it's okay to ask how somebody's kids are, or it's okay to say hi to somebody or, you know, the joke of the day or whatever the case is mm -hmm. and keep it simple, keep it fun. Life's too short. I love so that, Christy. really looking at things from that perspective as well. Yeah. So my main takeaways from that, are your favorite stories have global impact, right? You can transform teleconferencing experiences through process improvement and automation, but also establish real genuine connections with the people you're helping. Both are just as important to, to me and to, I hope, the, the process improvement community at large, having both of those things. We are coming up on time here, Christy, and I have a, a rapid fire question or two for you. Um, okay. Let's start off with what is your take on the future of this space? Um, I think, and no pun intended, but I think it's just a continuous opportunity for improvement. <laughs> yeah. um, the only... Uh, you know, every process has an opportunity to improve. It's like, you know, it, it's infant, it gets into its teen years, it becomes an adult. And I don't know if, you know, it's reincarnation or whatever, but we just start over again. If you can't continuously improve a process, then we need to look at that process. There's always ways um, because things are always changing. So being able to look at that and continuously improve processes and continuously improve um, whatever's going on in your organization to keep you not only up to speed with the, the times, um, but with the technology. Yeah. Um, the other pieces wow. don't always focus solely on automation. There is a place for people involved in it as well. And I think sometimes the best process is that one that can be automated and complemented um, by some type of people interaction. I mentioned chat earlier, um, or being able to hit a number and get to a live person. So giving people those types of options, I really see us moving down a path where we're going to start to see more of that blend. So it's not all one way or the other. Um, we need to really focus on 
those touch points. Um, you know, don't be that person who sits next to somebody and sends them an email because it's available. Have that conversation, mm-hmm. you know. So the people piece will never go away yeah. and it needs to never go away. Automation is awesome and I love it and it has a place, but you always still need that little touch point. That's great. Um, question number two is, it's funny you bring up technology and automation we've been spending almost the entire time talking about process improvement as opposed to digital business automation. The Venn diagram for those two um, is different for different people based on where they're coming from, their experiences, their expertise, uh, the projects they've been exposed to, and it's changing as we move through time. So what is your what does your Venn diagram look like in terms of process improvement and let's say digital business automation or hyper automation? How do they compare? How do they contrast? And is there an optimal combination of the two? So very similar um, to what you're talking about as far as when I look at a process, I'm going to look at things that would um, make sense to automate. So if I have a piece of data that I have to enter three times into three different systems, um, first of all, I would ask why. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, um, how can we not have to enter it three times, but have it feed in all three times? Then my third piece would be, why can't we just take it from the form and have it feed directly in? So I'm not even keying that. Those are the types of things that when I look at where we're at today and in the future, I think we need to have more discussion around that. I think that's a lot of times where there's a huge amount of opportunity. But I also think that people get scared when you come in and you talk about automation because that is where they see themselves as no longer being value add, no longer being needed. I try really hard um, to be upfront with folks. And when I come in and work on a process, I'm not about headcount reduction. Now, if we're going in for headcount reduction, I understand that. But when we're looking at process, I'm looking at ways for us to be able to do more with less. Mm -hmm. So, If I give you more time and you're not having to key that thing three times now, I just gave you 15 minutes more time in your day. What are you going to do with that? Well, you can now, you have more capacity to do more things. You can interact with clients. You can do more work. You know, instead of getting 10 of those done today, you can get 12 of them done today or whatever the case is. Not just always seeing it as as a negative, but trying to find the positive in those things is really important. Um, it always has been for me, but I think from an industry perspective across all gamuts, it's really important in our environment. We look at all these people who, um, you know, we have a lot of job openings out there across the world. And a lot of people who have chosen to just, you know, not give that amount of time or they want more work-life balance. That is the piece here of really helping to understand the positives in all of this. Um, And I think you draw employees back in by being able to show them 
This isn't just about doing away with your job. This is truly about giving you more time to do X, Y, and Z or giving you more balance in what you're doing. Um, So that's really the balance that I have to find. And and I think it's the people aspect that sits right there in the middle between process improvement Mm -hmm. and hyper automation. How can we flip the narrative to ensure that these people's experiences at work are going to be easier and lighter workflow is, is work less and flow more. So anyways, I, I love that answer, Christy, and we are at time. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. it. Let's do this again sometime. Okay. That sounds good. Right. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Get your hands on more content like this by following us on LinkedIn and YouTube down in the show notes and say hello. We'd love to hear your thoughts, perhaps even on an upcoming episode. Stay tuned for more episodes of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast brought to you by Salient Process.